ladies and gentlemen, today you have Jake and Seth, and we are going to be discussing the 2005 film, Lord of War, made in 2005, which I think I just said twice now, made for $50 million with a box office of 72.6, and even though I know that's normally not the amount I say makes a success, it's Apparently, it was a modest commercial success, and it had a 61% of Rotten Tomatoes, so a moderate, moderate success, I'd say. My experience with this film was I didn't see it in theaters. This is one of the films that I saw in college, and one of like kind of the first, uh, I would say Boondock Saints was the first one, which is actually towards the end of high school, which is the first thing I saw on DVD that I loved. And it started off, um, Grandma's Boy, Thank You for Smoking. This is one of the other ones, Lord of War, where it came out. I think it kind of missed, missed the moment in theaters, but had a real second life on uh, VHS, DVD. I guess it was DVD at the time. Um, I, I like this film. I, I was excited to revisit it. Seth, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I actually think I saw this in theaters. Um, it's kind of right at the tail end of, of Nick Cage's sort of like a guy that I would go see movies and like not think twice about before he went into this abyss of being like the weirdest guy you could ever watch as a as a movie star. Um, Wait, I actually, why I have you there? Because I know my moment. Do you remember the movie where you were watching it and you realized like Nick, Nicolas Cage is no longer someone I, I'm willing to see in the theaters? <laughs> It's right. Uh, so in my head, it's like he did that like Oliver Stone World Trade movie, which was horrible. And then he did, I think, The Wicker Man. And that was when I was like, you did The Wicker, like you did this horrible Oliver Stone movie, then you did The Wicker Man. And then I think he's like into the Ghost Rider stuff, and it's just like he lost himself. But this, <laughs> this is literally like a couple years before that, I want to say. Yeah. So the reason, the reason I asked is for me, I remember the moment. It was next in 2007. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the same year Bangkok uh, Secrets or something came out. I didn't see that. Bangkok Dangerous, Bang yeah. But I remember seeing Next in theaters. And yeah, it's got Julianne Moore, Jessica Biel. He's a Las Vegas magician who could see into the future by like five seconds. Um, and he's used, <laughs> pursued by FBI agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack. And like, yeah, in the right hands, that could be a really fun summer movie. And it wasn't. And I just remember leaving. I'm looking at, looking at the poster right now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's where that's where he lost me. Sorry, I cut uh, you off. Yeah, it's like he had this moment where like Matchstick Men was solid, and then he had National Treasure, and he had this movie. And it's like, okay, you're still like treading water, Nick Cage. Like those are three like okay movies. And then like then he kind of, I think the rails really come off right after this. Honestly, looking at his IMDb. I will, well, I will be honest. I do know for a fact, uh, I'm not making light of it here. I know a lot of people were, were hurting. He was hit pretty hard by the 2007, 2008 crisis. Heavy, heavily invested in real estate. And yes. Yes. He's famous. He lost a lot of money. He's famous for having these like random collections of dinosaur eggs and like famous comic books. Yes. I also think he had some tax problems at one point. So he's taken a lot of movies that were paychecks. To yes. I mean, yes. It's not, um, not, I think, <laughs> I think every actor has hit that point at some point. So but he no, really... we, Seth and I acknowledge that like as an actor, you got to do what you got to do. But from someone who was winning Oscars in the nineties <laughs> and who, who 
What like, like an A-list action star? You know, it's like he, he really went into another world in the late 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I'm even looking at his filmography. He had a, his window. It took a long time for his window to close, namely yeah. because uh, he had the Ghost Rider. He had two Ghost Rider films and two National Treasure films, which I which I think prolonged him. Yeah, in the commercial world, but he just couldn't find that. He just those films, both the sequels, did worse than the original. Uh, he he's had a kind of a second life. I don't know if you've seen Mandy or some of the other. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of his recent stuff. I saw Mandy. I didn't particularly love Mandy, but he I was, saw I saw him in a Paul Schrader movie with Willem Dafoe that was like very crazy. Oh, was that um, good? Uh, Doggy Dog. I I didn't. It's just so over the top crazy. Uh, it's I mean it's worth watching if you like those actors, I guess. But it's it's a very uh, over the top movie. It's what I would say. To quickly call out, he does have a cameo in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse as Spider Man Noir. So that, I mean, he, I will also say he's in the the Croods movies, and my daughter Brooklyn loves those Croods animation, uh, and he's like he's the voice of the dad in that. And so I always find that funny. Good but, for him. That makes me happy. Um, he he was also in Color Out of Space, which I forgot. The the, the like, Color Out of Space and Mandy are, are they're good. He's having, a, he's having a little bounce back right now, and I mean, you know, I'm actually surprised that the, the comic book movie people haven't like scooped him up and tried to reclaim him or something. I also think he'd be ripe for like, don't you think he'd be ripe for one of these weird Tarantino roles where he's like, I'm gonna reclaim this actor and like send him back on his way type of thing. He should be claimed by Tarantino. And he was in the comics. Well, he's in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. I'm not going to really... That's a voice role. He was uh, Big Daddy in Kick-Ass. And that... Oh, yes. I remember that. He was actually yeah. really well received in that. He was That was a good movie. He was a good part of that movie. He contributed to that. And Big Daddy is basically a caricature of Batman. Uh, yeah. But, but I think you're right. I think he's right. The only thing, though, is, like, honestly, I don't... See, I, I I don't see him fitting in to either the DC world they've created. Like I just see him being Nick Cage. I haven't seen him not being Nick Cage, even in all these other things. Like he needs to show know, me, yeah. or it's going to be a cameo role because I don't see Nick Cage. Like you could throw Alec Baldwin, the actor, like Alec Baldwin as like just Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, not him being an actor. Right. And I could see him being like a villain, like in right, anything. Right. You could throw George Clooney. I see him being a hero. Nick Cage. He's, yeah, like I, he's, I just he's not really doing either for me right now. So, but with that I being know, said, yeah. I support him. He should be in a comic book film. <laughs> I think that I think someone needs to give him a second chance. I just don't know who. Back to Lord of War, I do. I think it's actually an interesting point for Nick. You know, there's three main actors in Cage, Leto, and uh, and Hawk, and it's kind of an interesting point in all three of their careers. You know, I think it was nice of Jared Leto to take off band practice to make this movie. <laughs> Was he in Sorry, a band just, at this point? I just had to get that in there. Was he in a band at this point? Isn't he in 30 Seconds to Mars or whatever that band is? Oh, man. He's so weird. I'm sorry. Get, do a quick wiki on uh, Jared Leto. Make sure I got the right band name. I'm sure you do. I don't even need to. I he, know he's, he's one of these guys band. in between his band and his acting career and his hair. And uh, he's very good looking. And, uh, you know, he's, I, I think he's... Um, Boy, I don't want to say this, but I think he's an actor that gets by on his looks more than his acting at times. And a hundred percent agree. He is a 
A-list. He's done some good acting, but it's not because of him being an asshole or doing all this crazy, weird, like... I don't think he's like Daniel Day-Lewis who like really like immersed no, himself yeah. in the role. I think he's someone who needs to like psych himself up by doing stupid shit or like... I also think certain directors have used him well and has, you know, if you watch Fight Club and the way Fincher uses him and the way he destroys his face, there's a certain thing he's doing doing there. And I think it's like, that's a good use of like what Jared Leto is. I, but it's like, honestly, I mean, I know he won an Oscar, I think, for <laughs> the Spires Club. Did he? Did he? I'm sorry. Excuse me. He did win one, and he was great in that role, and he deserved it. And right, yes. But like that to me is like uh, the playoffs where J.R. Smith went off with LeBron, and as a Knicks <laughs> fan, I saw him not do that in the playoffs. So I'm glad he did it somewhere. But like, I don't think he's LeBron. I think he's just J.R. Smith who went off once. Right. I think that's a good. I, and it's like that part too was clearly a part designed, almost designed to win an award. But you're right. It's like. He's kind of a guy that can go off for for twenty points on the side from your main person, but I don't think he's a I don't think he's a LeBron. I think that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, not to knock him, but even in this film, that's not to knock him. I think Jared Leto is a good actor. I, I want to see him in things, but to Seth's point, I, you put it more delicately than I would. I think he is a pretty boy actor. I don't think he's like a real primetime actor. And like, uh, there've been other, I've been proven wrong before. I would say like Zac Efron was someone who I thought was a pretty boy. And then he proved to me he could really act. Um, and like, it yeah, and I, we both said, you know, he deserved that Oscar he won, but I think it's just like, he, he's, he relies on his looks at times. And you know, it's like Brad Pitt went through this early in his career too, where it's like, you watch Thelma and Louise, he's basically relying on his looks. He's not, I mean, he's got a little twinkle in his eye, but it's like, you know what he's doing in that movie, you know. So, and the reason the reason I'm kind of laying in a Leto is I think he's one of the weakest parts of this film. It feels like he's in a different film. I know he's being kind of asked to carry a lot of the conscience and emotional weight of the film. Is he supposed to be Yuri's conscience as the younger, and he's also the younger brother? And there's like a lot of right. there's a lot wrapped up in that character. But like every time you see him, it just feels like a caricature. He's literally like doing blow in front of his parents. Or he's like <laughs> drinking from a like labelless vodka bottle. Like people, like it's just like I, I don't know many Russians. I could be there wrong. Was, if yeah, I'm wrong, I, was, I apologize. But like I, I it just it felt like very caricaturish. One of my one of my kind of nitpicks was the idea that both of these guys were like had sort of these Russian or like Eastern European backgrounds and were also brothers. It just was kind of like. No, they're not. Like, this is Nick Cage and Jared Leto. Like, you're kind of stretching that a little too far for me. Like, Nick Cage looks like a white guy. You know, I don't know. It also, I, I just... I bother me. I don't know Brighton Beach that well. So, again, I could be mistaken if I am. I do apologize. But it's not like they're growing up in Amish country. They're two white boys growing up in Brighton Beach in, like, the 80s and 90s in New York. Like, they're, they can't. And they just feels like they're always acting like they're from the old country. And it's like, they've got this right. great bond and that's great. But it's like, it, why don't we see their friends? Like I just, there, there's something missing about the characters. I think to tie them yeah. just like as being people. Like, it, it, I don't know. It's I could also tell the, um, the way the story is told, it felt like the screenplay had really been through the ringer kind of. And I felt like it was almost like, it was almost like the whole movie was a montage and at certain points you had to slow down for dialogue, but there's, 
there's just a lot of um, scrolling through time, scrolling through like different buys and sells uh, in terms of, of what this guy did as a, as a gun merchant. And it's like some of the stories are more interesting than others, but it, it was the flow of the movie was kind of odd to me. It didn't bother me. I, I mentioned this before. It kind of reminded me of Thank You for Not Smoking. There's another one I'm blanking on now. but I think that's the Thank You for Smoking, I think, is the clearest comparison. And they, like, the themes, obviously, are the closest to each other. We should do that film next, because I actually mentioned that as I was doing this, because that's a great film. And much like this, I think it got kind of lost in the shuffle, because yes, it wasn't marketed yeah. right. It came out right. I would actually like to dive into there. But yeah, I think that movie also does a better job at actually like tackling the theme and trying to answer some of the questions, whereas this kind of like dances around it a little bit more with the Cage character. I would also, I'm interested to get your opinion here. I'm not saying it's like these films, but I think of Lair Cake and Carlito's Way. Like there, like there's, yes. a, there's, <laughs> there is a long tradition of these, um, these type of criminal stories where it's the narrator telling the story and normally it's an unhappy ending because it's him and you think he's alive but then you find out he's dead like Carlito's way sorry spoiler alert if you haven't seen it great movie we should talk about right, there right. Some, that movie some more but in this <laughs> one it's the like the whole take of spoiler here the it is he gets away but it, that's the unhappy ending it's that he is like to live this life you can't really right. be a person because you can't have a family you can't really have a normal life and that is you realize is like He's become, and you can't have any morals because you're selling these weapons of death to people. You know, it's like you know to live with that moral guilt is like a whole beast. You know, that's the whole thing with the Jared Leto character. It, you know, is that like he couldn't live with that, and he had to kind of like numb it or do do something to distract himself. But it's like to live with that amount of guilt is a beast in itself. And which I think is one of the we talk about the three characters: Hawk, Leto, and and Cage. And it's really what you do with the three. What what are the three choices? I'm not saying there aren't more, but it's your Vitaly can't do it, or Vitaly can't deal with it, and he basically kills himself. Right. Ethan Hawke, I'm assuming we don't really see what happens, but you're assuming he just kind of puts his head in the sand and keeps plugging forward, like sticking to his yeah, morals. The, yeah, it's like the problem with his character is he won't corrupt himself to get to his end goals, and so he'll never get to those goals. Is kind of what he realizes. Yeah. He'll never I, catch the people he wants to catch if he doesn't corrupt himself, and so his pursuit of doing everything legitimately will always end up failure. Exactly. And then you don't the know. Cage character, I, what's interesting about the Cage character is the way he rationalizes what he does. And I, one of the parts I really like is when he kind of describes the three different types of deals in arms. And it's like, there's these legal deals, then there's these illegal deals, and then there's these gray areas. And it's like, if you operate in the gray area, it's just, you realize Legal and illegal almost become irrelevant, and it's just like you're just trying to do stuff to get past some guideline or some restriction or around some way. Or, you know, you, you you send it through some other country, but you're still doing the same thing. You're still selling guns for money, but it's like the way he rationalizes it was was much more interesting to me than like just the guy losing it on drugs or something because it's like that's really how he, he got his brain to kind of live with what he was doing. Wasn't it? So I'm not doing something illegal. I'm just getting around what I need to get around. And if I don't do this, you know, someone else will, you know, we had competitors out there. Well, what's funny about that is I came to a similar point, but I came to it at a different point in the movie. To me, that, that didn't surprise me about the, um, I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, that wasn't what sold me. It was at the end when it's the whole conversation with Ethan Hawke in the, in the room, spoiler at the end of the film. Right. where they have him 
and cage. And th this has been used in other examples, sometimes differently. Fargo season three ended on a similar note, although in a much different way. And we can, that's a separate conversation, but it ends with him and Hawk and cage in the room and Hawk being like, I gotcha. And cage act and cage letting him in on the joke, letting him know that the people cage works for are Hawk's bosses. And that the biggest, the biggest arms dealer in the world is the United States. And it's the ones we deal on the black market. And for anyone who thinks that's crazy, go to Iran Contra. And if you think anything's changed, like you're, we've, they've just gotten much smarter about it. And, and the reason this came out in 2005, this is at a time where everyone was hyper aware and focused on how much weapons America had and how much we were making and more probably how much money we were spending on them. Cause we were like, we had been in year war for four years at this point and not to get into the politics of it, but we were kind of, we were very aware of what we were doing. And so, um, the you're right though. That's a really effective scene because it's like, it, it for, for Hawk's character, that feels like he's finally won and he's fine. Like he's achieved his goal. He's caught his man. He's brought him in. And then to realize that he's more valuable to people higher up in the government to the point that he's just going to get away. It's just kind of like, <laughs> it's so sad for him. And it's like, yeah, for that character, it's like, you realize he's just not, he's, he is just a pawn in everyone else's game. And it's like, he has to feel out of control at that point. But it's funny, like now that we're talking about, we came to the same thing because you're right. The gray area, they were alluding to this. The, right yeah like this it you just picked up on it much sooner than i did but it's it's the same threat that they're they're just weaving it together there the reason gray area exists is because governments want it to so they can do shit without getting in trouble <laughs> and it's normally our government because we're the ones making the rules and by that i mean the west but we still want to do shady shit because we want to hold our enemies or our opponents or our rivals to that's a whole other story but th there's right. a lot of geopolitics but the other movie, have you seen that movie, uh, War Dogs with Jonah Hill? I have. Uh, I did not like it as much as this. I thought this film was much better compared to War Dogs. I agree. There's a, that, that movie kind of goes, it's a similar concept, obviously, but um, that, that's more of like the boiler room version of yeah. this, I guess I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I would say boiler room with like, I don't know if Midnight Run, there's a bit of buddy comedy to it, like or buddy adventure. But their chemistry yeah. is awful. The movie's not well written. It's that that movie, but I, this movie does a better job of kind of like like the the moral dilemma of kind of like selling something like guns at a mass scale, and knowing like those guns are going to go into the hands of people, and it's just I don't know. It's I understand that that you know these gun dealers get tons of money, but it's just I don't know. I, I guess it just takes a certain mindset to. Uh, block it out and you know i'm sure when you're when you're a gun merchant and you don't have to see any of the violence it's probably easier to live in a space of just saying you know i'm doing a job that somebody else would do if i wasn't here see but the, that's interesting because the way i interpreted it was he still felt awful about it like he like he knew exactly what he was doing like yeah he, like he was he was so self-destructive like he like ah but it's hard like I mean that yeah. There's that scene where he's like going into that African village, and they can like see the people they're about to slaughter with the guns, kind of thing. And that's when his brother really loses it and stuff. Where it's like that when you can see the village, you know, in front of you, it's pretty hard to make that deal. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. Like I was, I think Jared Leto overacts everything, but like, yeah, it, 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 like he, he's, I think he's one of the worst parts of the movie, and he's doing a good job. He's just out of sync with everyone else in the movie. 
because like Nick Cage is doing his like aloof Nick Cage thing. And then after that, then it's like Leto sharing the screen with Eamon Walker and Sammy Rotobi as the Baptists. And they're just blowing them off the screen because they, they have like swagger. They're not acting big. The, they, Jared Leto acts big and the Baptists are big. Like their characters yeah. are big and they're filling them out and they don't need to, like they are just like, they have swagger. And Leto You're right. There, there are moments in this movie where Jared Leto is just like in a different movie. He, it's, it's like he's trying to pull off some character. Maybe he's doing a method thing. But it's just like it doesn't. It's not jiving with what Cage is doing, and you're right. It's not jiving with like the rest of the feel of the movie. You know, he, you know, he follows some short order cook from Brighton Beach around for like a week, and like, <laughs> like, like this is what they do. I swear. Um, I yeah, the Leto thing isn't working for me, but I like the character, and his death feels meaningful. Like, so I'll give credit. Yes, there. yeah, the character works the way it should. Quick I'll question for you. Because one of the things you mentioned this interesting time in all their careers i feel like cage has fallen leto star has risen and hawk has like stayed the same like hawk is still doing like he'll do a couple he'll be a supporting actor in a big movie um he might have a horror movie or rom drum like out also, you know hawk, ever since dead poet society i've always felt like hawk should be like kind of a bigger star than he is I know, you know, he makes a lot of interesting choices, so I'm sure some of it's personal. You know, he works with Richard Linklater a lot, and so it's like, if you're going to do a movie like Boyhood, you might miss out on a few other opportunities in that, you know, seven-year period you're, like, kind of involved in that project and stuff. Um, I do think, like, when I was watching this movie, I was like, I almost wanted to, to see the version of the movie where he's playing the Cage character because I think he would have given an interesting performance as the lead of this kind of movie. And I was like, it's almost sad that he's been delegated to the side to the you know supporting performance. I thought he was fine in his like he did kind of a professional job in his role. Uh, I, I didn't think he did anything too crazy. You know, it's the, it's not a character that shows a ton of range or anything like that, but. It made me it made me pine for more Ethan Hawke. I actually think he's kind of an underused actor. I think he's great. Uh I love him in Gattaca. Uh I love yeah. it. like he's he's been I love him in Training I, there's Day. There's actually that weird I, there's some horror movie he's in where he like recovers all this old footage. I saw this Sinister. on cable day one day. That's yes, a good one. I really like that movie. I thought he was great in that. I think that that was a movie that that's another movie I feel like kind of forgotten that I thought was really good. We should do that one as well. I'm going to be honest with you. Can, can I level with you for a minute? Can I give you my theory on why he's not a bigger actor? Sure. He needs his teeth. He doesn't have good teeth. His bad teeth. They're not bad. They're not like British level teeth. Like I'm not like wondering like <laughs> if he ate marbles when he was a kid, but they're not great. They're not that star level teeth. And just to prove my point here, Ben Affleck. Michael Bay made him get nice chompers for Armageddon. And look at the filmography, my friends. Ben Affleck wasn't exactly winning Oscars for Armageddon, but uh, his his career took off after that. You know, uh, one of the things about... (laughs) What are you saying about that? One of the things about Hawk, I think, is that I... You know, we were talking about this on another uh, pod about just, like, movie personalities. And for me, it's like his movie personality will always be connected um, to that, uh, to the character he plays um, in Reality Bites, and it'll always be connected to the character he plays in uh, Before 
before uh, Sunrise. Mm -hmm. And it's like those two characters he plays in the 90s, these like alternative dudes with like greasy hair that had all these lines for girls and stuff and like knew all the pop culture nuances. I just feel like that's still my idea of him. And I don't know if that'll ever change. I I mean, maybe he'll come across another role at some point that redefines him. But for me, it's like, when I think of him, I still think of the kid from Dead Poets Society and those two roles were in his early 20s. And it's like, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I think he's a talented actor, and I hope at some point he does kind of, like, redefine himself. But he's still kind of that guy to me. And like, the guy that would, like, hit on some French girl on a train or, like, the guy that would know some movie line to, like, impress Winona Ryder. <laughs> wow, by the way, I'm just looking at uh, Ethan Hawke's wikipedia page right now he's a handsome man excuse my my jab about his teeth i still think that might have uh i, I was saying that tongue-in-cheek such a handsome guy double before the devil knows you're dead assault in precinct 13 yeah he's great man he's yeah. a great everyman i just want to say seth let go let let it go let him grow up what let him let him yeah. change let him evolve uh now with all that being said Another guy I'd like to see kind of like a Tarantino reclaim or, you know, a big director like that would be cool to see him work with. What's interesting, I'm reading this now, is Dead Poet Society was uh, his most commercially successful movie. Wow. Is that right? That's crazy. <laughs> and so it says he didn't want to be an actor. He went back, back to college, but the film's success was so monumental. Uh, he kept getting offers. Basically, he got he couldn't turn it down. Um so, ah, he's good in this film. He, he, I think he's doing a great job going up against uh, Cage, especially. Yes, he gives somebody Cage plays off of better than Leto. Like, it gives both of them, like, okay. <laughs> Cage plays off Hawk much better in a confrontational manner than he does kind of, like, in a brotherly chemistry way with Leto. It's just, like, it's just, it's so, it's night and day, honestly. Do you have any notes? Do you, do you want to mention any of the other uh, supporting characters, or, or whether it's uh, Bridget Moynihan as Ava the wife, or the Baptists? Or the Bridget Moynihan Holmes? character, I felt, was like a real... I, I always felt it's like a screenwriter's character, where it's like it's somebody serving a purpose. I, I, you, Dave, you, me, and Dave talked about this before, where it's like there's just too many men writing female characters and not involving them in plots the right way. And to me, this was another basic example of like a female character that's a supporting underwritten character great actress i thought she was fine on the part it's just it doesn't none of her scenes are advancing the plot it's just her being upset at her husband for what he does agreed I or, think... or or realizing what he does <laughs> agreed uh, they yeah i feel like you have someone who can hit home runs and you're asking them to hit singles it's like yes yes exactly why 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 um, or even do something fun with it where it's like, you know, do the Breaking Bad thing where she's in on it with them. All yeah. Of a and like, you know, th at least that's like an exciting turn. You know, it's just, it, it felt a little too by the numbers, that character. She was too neutral. It was too much of a, yeah, the, agreed. Uh, the the ones I really liked, I thought Ian Holm, he's coming off of the Hobbit films. He's a great actor. He was a little forgettable as Simeon Weiss. He's basically Cage's rival, but the I don't oh, yeah, even remember him being the rival. I just felt I understand why he's there, and he works in the movie. The character works. I just feel like they got could have gotten anyone to be that guy. It's another spot where it's like you could have shifted Hawk into that role and beef that part up, kind of thing, mm -hmm. and kind of toned down the agent. But you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. 
yeah it just it just it was it was fine it just wasn't great uh the, i agree the last two i want to mention i mentioned before Eamon Walker as a uh, Bapti senior and Sammy Rotibi, excuse me if I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, as uh, Andre Baptiste Jr. And I forgot how much I love them, especially. Yeah, those guys are great. Eamon Walker is the older one. Incredible. Like, I, every time they were on screen, I was like clapping like a fucking idiot. I was like, yeah, like, I really like, they were incredible. They were they were great uh, great performances by both of them and oh uh, yeah just like brought a flavor to the movie that was desperately needed. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, they brought some fun to like a film yeah. that's like kind of and Nicolas Cage is bringing like weird manic energy, but there's not a lot of fun and right. there's not a lot of fun to be had. But it's cool. <laughs> it the way I, this movie's like hell and Nicolas Cage is like uh, I can't remember. He's the Greek philosopher who walked the dude through it in Dante's Inferno. But then it's like everyone is miserable, and then you get to see the Baptiste, and it's like, hey, there's some demons having some fun in hell. Like this is what they're yeah. getting up to. Like okay, like not my idea of fun, but I'm glad they're enjoying themselves. Um, okay, uh, that does it for me and my, my Baptistes. <laughs> Lord of War. I think it's Seth. We're ready to wrap it up soon. Are there any other notes? Any other tidbits you wanted to titillate us with? Um, I think I'm getting ready to, you know, it's like, I guess what my question would be like, at the end of this movie, like, are you supposed to be, are you supposed to be like, let's do away with the second amendment, let's get rid of guns, or are you just kind of supposed to be like, the, all these governments are fucked up, like, I, I wasn't totally sure what the final, final message was, where like, am I supposed to be mad at these governments and the military industrial complex? Am I supposed to be mad at these sort of like morality less gun merchants, or like should I just be mad that we allow guns at all? I don't know. That's interesting. I I I didn't leave it feeling like mad at anyone. Like to me, I just kind of felt like it was more like a reflection. Like this is the world we live in, and I guess my so I guess my takeaway this is was just how it functions, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I just, and I, I, it's probably that stems from like the knowing that it's all flowing down from America. Like, we need to make weapons to stay safe, but we don't use the weapons because we are safe. So then we need to sell the weapons to right. people who need the weapons, even though they don't really need the weapons. And, but we need to sell the weapons. And now we've made money off of a weapon sale that we can't acknowledge. What was it like? Um, something like half of the guns in like Mexico and the cartel, like our U.S. federal, like they have federal, they've got like a U.S. stockpile, and everyone's like, "How'd they get that?" Or maybe there was another thing. Like I think it was uh, the ATF um, wanted to release, like they purposely sold a bunch of guns and like tagged it with the idea that they could somehow trace it back. Long story short, they never got any of them back. Uh, but like the it it i didn't i mean there's no there's like no easy answer to guns on this planet and like what to do about them and like how to handle it and i like i mean there was a shooting recently uh in boulder and it's like it never ends in america these mass shootings and stuff and if i mean and obviously i'm not like a big fan of wars either jake people getting shot up in wars and stuff and so i do think there's i don't know it's like 
I think that the military industrial complex is a real thing. And like you said, I think America makes so many weapons, they need to sell a certain amount to, to have a profit. And it's just, I don't know. I don't think there's like an easy, I, I, like, I don't want to take guns away from people hunting up in Canada or anything. Like, I think everyone has a right to, I also think anyone living in the inner city has the right to defend themselves with like a hand weapon or something. But like, those are just my personal beliefs. And it's, you know, if we did away with all guns tomorrow, maybe it would be a happier world. I don't know. I agree entirely, but that's the thing. Like, well, we do do away with all guns, but then it's like, well, someone's going to have guns. Like, right, yeah. like, what if all the Russians have all the guns? Like, then what are we going to do? What if? Right. And, yeah, it's the same with the nuclear arm debate, kind of. And is. so I, I get both sides. I'm, I'm of the opinion you want the bigger stick, but like, speak quieter, <laughs> basically meaning like only use the stick if you have to. But at the same time, if everyone has a stick, sooner or later there's going to be like a misunderstanding yeah Yeah, like whether and like through it could be innocent like just an innocent misunderstanding all of a sudden everyone's stick by okay but um no i do it's it it's layered it's tough i i think i think you could leave this saying i think you could go any direction i think the beauty of this film and the character yuri even though he's kind of hard to connect with because he's kind of aloof and disconnected from the actual story but i think way to look at it and through his prism is that my i i took the message if it's not me it's someone else and if it's me like i'm really doing it like i like i'm not the bad guy i'm working for uncle sam and again right. when this came out in 2005 we're at war two wars we're doing all the jingo like everything is like full-blown america like we're just starting yeah. to like peel back be like hey what the fuck is really going on? And so I can kind of still put myself in that mindset. I guess that I say that like it is like you maybe in that reading it's like you want to be mad at the government. I don't know. I, you got me thinking now, Seth. This, we're supposed to be wrapping it up. I'm gonna stop. Well, no, yeah, it's like I may, that could just be the purpose of the end of the movie is to make you think about these things, topics. It might not have like a stance one way or the other. I guess. But it should, like, if nothing else, it should make you realize, like, yo, a lot of these arms steals and a lot of these wars and a lot of the ways people get guns, it's just, it's all fucked and it's all part of this big system. And it's just, you know, there's there's clearly a huge amount of violence in this world that doesn't need to be happening. So, uh, you know, it makes you think about all those things. I think I think that's a great way to look at it. And uh, the, the one thing I do want to note is that I, what I loved about this film, and I think it did a, one of the most like in-depth and clear visions to me was what happened in Russia after the Soviet Union fell and like, like, or what happened in the Soviet Union after it fell, like in those, in those regions. Cause that's something like as America, like at least in my understanding, like I remember being like, Oh, it's over. We're friends now. But then like Putin showed up and like the last 15 years we haven't been friends. And it's like, I think I'm sure our government knows what happened. But I feel like our country is still like figuring out like how did we go from the wall falling to Putin again, and like uh, at least me, I probably this is probably more me projecting than anything. But it was interesting to see what happened there. And Putin is, by the way, an ex KGB agent, opportunistic guy. Like this is like this could be him in this role, like literally just playing people off each other, up to the top. So it it was interesting, and um. I liked that it did that, and I liked that it actually said something. Like, whether this is accurate or not, I don't really care. It's a movie, but, like, I'm glad it told me something. It was telling me something. So I'll, I'll give it kudos for that.
All right, you want to do final scores? Yeah, my, my score might have fallen a little bit in this. I, 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 I'm going to give it a 6-8. Uh, it, was, it was originally like a 7, like a 7-1, seven, 7-2. Seven, I'm just going to bump it a little bit here, just realizing Leto is kind – it's a gripe. It, it just knocks it down a peg. <laughs> He's not awful, but you'll see if you watch the movie, you'll see it. I do recommend. You're just I've never like that character. If it's a good supporting actor, you should be like kind of excited when they come onto the screen. And I'm never like happy when he comes back onto them. I'm always like, oh, here comes Leto with his bullshit. <laughs> and I agree. And the other thing is, we talked about some of the other comps. I think we mentioned Lair Kick, Carlito's Way. What was the other one that we mentioned? Thank you for smoking. Yeah, the one thing all those three things have is that the lead in addition to the structure and like this type of narrator uh um, first person narrator they're all likable characters and i think yuri is just falling short there like nick cage is doing a good job but i don't like yuri i don't like his the his relationship with his brother is the most admirable thing but then like his that even that turns against him by the end so it's a good movie i like it uh i i wish it this is where I wish it was remembered better, but at the same yeah. time, I guess I always wish it was remembered. At the same time, <laughs> uh, I see, I, I, I do see, I, I see where it falls short on certain aspects. Yeah, I think I'm in the same ballpark with you. Like, I think I'd have it at like a six five. Um, it's not, you know, Cage's performance is like kind of like fine. And Leto, like we've said, it's like kind of bothered both of us. And Hawk off. You know, it's like Hawk doesn't do anything wrong, but he also doesn't really like do anything to kind of like elevate the movie. Um, I think the story and like kind of the the moral questions it throws at you is probably the strongest part of it. And um, like I, some of those comps, I like more. Some of them I think are about the same level. So I think it's like a six. Like I think it's you know, it's definitely a movie worth watching, and it's not like a kind of a failure of a movie and it's you know most of the acting is, is above average so i think yeah six six good movie it's more interesting to think about afterwards probably than it is like while you're watching it i feel like we're both having a hard I, tell me if you agree i we're both in the same range but i feel like i want to give it like an extra like thumbs up or recommendation to watch because like, yeah. it's, it's like a six 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 our scores are good but like I it's not better than that, but at the same time, I, I do encourage people to watch it. If you clearly, yeah, you I, I hope agree. you've seen it if you're listening to this. But uh, <laughs> I guess that would be my take. <laughs> take away. Ready to say goodbye, my friend. All right, goodbye, people. Goodbye.